Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns, and enjoy this shit show. Circus Podcast. I am Rooster, and with me as usual, Scrow. Hey, hey, hey. God, I hate that. I really hate that. I like the music, though. Did a good job with that. So, um, so last time we were pretty, in our inaugural episode, we were into some pretty heavy stuff. I'm going to go a little lighter this time, since we're both like big video gamers and stuff. Not that we're good at it, we just waste a lot of time on them. And uh, so... I'm wondering, what do you think about where, like, virtual reality is going with this stuff? Uh, it's a lot of promise, especially when PS4 came out with their um, virtual headset or whatever, and there was a lot of hype for that, and it didn't really pan out. It's been over, how long has it been out? It's, it's like been a year. Over a year now, and it's just not any, nothing is any more impressive than when they first came out with it. How much did that thing run? 400 bucks, I think. Yeah, well, that might be part of it. Well, problem. I don't, I can't remember. It, it was it, it was like too, I don't, who knows? It was too much for what yeah. you had. So. But for as much video gaming as we do, how much of that do you think you could tolerate? What, Being, on VR? Yeah. Well, uh, that's a good question because now I just use my VR for porn, and that's only like two, three minutes tops. So, uh, what, what are you doing with the other, you know, besides the first 37 seconds? <laughs> well, you have to wait, you have to wait. You, you, oh, you have to wait for it to load. Right. And yeah. you're talking nice to it and everything. Yeah. yeah. And you can't really fast forward porn VR like you can with other videos. You have to actually let it play through. <laughs> so. Oh man. <laughs> you threw me off with that. All right. So, well, that's part of what I'm, it's two part thing. So I, I think it's kind of a cool idea, and I remember, like, back in the 90s doing some virtual reality stuff. They had the huge simulators at, like, a mall or something, and you could – it was cool that you could look to the left and right, you know, and see all the stuff. But how much of that are you really going to use? Like, if, like we play a lot of The Division. Are you going to – are you going to want that in The Division? No. You stand in the middle of your living room swinging your head around? No, mostly because uh, the shooters, especially if you're holding a, a – a, a controller that's supposed to feel like a gun, mm-hmm. it, it's going to get tiring pretty quick holding that holding that gun up. Your shoulders are going to start screaming after about 15 minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, they do even like uh, in the arcades when they have like those time cop stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you're just holding your arms up like that. Yeah. Yeah, they get tiring after a while. Mm-hmm. You can't be doing that for a whole time. But just the idea that you're going to have to have your head on a swivel all the time and everything. I just, for me, how does it get super buggy on that? Um, Yeah, I... It's just not. It's not the technology. is not there yet. It's it's more of a hindrance than than a help. And uh, there are certain scenarios where having the VR kind of immerses you better. Obviously, because you get you got that three D effect going on and all that. And, um, it can work. But I played the Resident Evil Four. Was it no? Not four. Resident Evil. God, not four. Um, the the VR version. Get the point. The, yeah. the most recent one. And it was, it was interesting and it kind of, it was creepier. You know, I wasn't, I don't get creeped out playing those games usually, but it, it was creepier being in the headset 
because it does, even though you have a little um, better depth of field, you have less uh, less vision than you want. You have less peripheral vision. Um, and so you do feel like confined and you feel you feel claustrophobic in it a little bit. So that kind of adds to the you know apprehension of everything you're dealing with in the game. So, But a full game like that, I think it, you, you get bored with it pretty quick. Well, think of what... I mean, think about the little stuff, like how they have to write games differently then. Because, you know, I, I know you had that... Uh, um, you had that on your the goggles mm-hmm. that you could sl- slap for the phone, phone into. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you had the gear, v- gear VR. Yeah. yeah, so you had the spider thing and all that. And there was the one. That Face was your in, fears was that. Yeah. One was in the haunted house, mm-hmm. and uh, you were like, "Okay, so you got to look down the hallway now. Turn around, and look back the other way, so you see that one ghost." And I thought, "How are they going to write it to direct you where you probably should be looking when you can be looking everywhere?" Well, they actually have. It's interesting. They have um, prompts, so. Like the story won't advance, or the scene won't advance until you look a certain direction at a certain time. So there's a, one of the face you fears. You're sitting in in bed in a little bedroom with a bunch of um, ghostly activity happening, and you know some things happen. And if you don't if you don't look to your right when you hear a sound, you'll hear like a weird sound, and you're supposed to look to your right. But if you don't, the nothing will happen. Whatever's happening in that room will just kind of like stay in like a um, a stasis. I mean, you know, like a like a, a light will keep flickering or you'll hear like the, the wind rustling, but it won't advance the scene until you look to your right. And then also that little monster comes at you. The ghost goes, um, yeah. Hey buddy. Yeah. So, so they, they have that worked into it, which is kind of cool. So you don't miss something. Yeah. Where, where I think the application is, well, before I get into that, I think for me, and I know the headsets will lighten and all that stuff, but just having that thing on your face the whole time and it, just getting sweaty and hot and your eyes getting all buggy and everything. I mean, you play a computer game like at a computer for more than a few hours, your eyes start getting all batshit crazy on you. Yeah, the, the eye thing's a problem. But I've, I've played um, uh, Division, let's say, for hours on end wearing heads with wearing earphones. And it's, and my ears are sore by the time I get done. I'm sitting there holding the headset off my head because it's a crappy headset. But Right. But, I mean, at least then it's like you're still hearing what's around you like that. In the problem with the VR is you're you're focusing on stuff that your brain is telling you is far away, but your eyes are telling you is really in front of you. It's for me. I think people start getting headaches real fast. Yeah, I think um, yeah. There, there's most of the games that are actually really. There's like a Batman game that for the for the PS um, system VR PS system that was pretty pretty cool, but it's very short. And I can imagine if it would, if it went on too much longer, it would it would not have been as cool. But I still, for the life of me, why why they don't do right now an Iron Man um, simulator? It'd be so cool, where you're actually in the suit flying around. Yeah, it would be because cool. because the thing about that is the method of, of flight that he does. It's kind of like standing straight up and down. So it would be good for you just standing in the middle of your living room and you all of a sudden activate your boot jets and your hand jets and you go flying off. It would actually... There, uh, there are pulsers. Yeah. <laughs> you would feel... Nerd! <laughs> you'd feel, you'd feel though, like you're Iron Man flying around. And I don't know why they haven't done that yet. Yeah. I, the stuff I like is there was, um, there was a ride at Epcot. And they've, they've done this sort of thing before, but... Um, it's something like wings or something like that. And you sit in a seat that kind of hangs down like those roller coaster ones where that are suspended above you. And you sit in that and they do the whole, you know, the seat leans forward when you're going forward and the wind blows in your face, things like that. Um, I, 
I like I like that stuff, but you get the sense of being in a bigger room. I just I don't have claustrophobia, but I just think being in that headset after a while would bug you. But the the application I think is cool about it is you know, my my kids are in school now and they're they're showing them remember when we were kids and they had like the viewmaster thing where you'd look at all these places in the world and do the little viewmaster deal. Yeah, they had that little card that you slide. Yeah, the yeah, little round thing. You yeah. slide it through. They're worth like a million dollars now if you have them, but um, not quite. But but now they've got these virtual reality headsets in the kids' class, and they're like, "Hey, here's uh, you know the um, was it Michelangelo painted the ceiling in Sistine Chapel? Sistine Chapel. And they're like, here's the Sistine Chapel, and you can put the headset on and walk around the Sistine Chapel, and I, I, and people say." Well, yeah, but now the kid doesn't want to see it. I think maybe the kid does want to see it now. Yeah. They're smart enough to know that there's, it's not a real experience. And well, it'd be interesting to see. I I would like to see a, a Grand Canyon experience on VR because since I've actually finally been there, um, I, I took well into my adult life to actually go see the Grand Canyon. But it was it was much 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 more impressive than I expected. Did you, you walk know? out on the little transparent bridge thing? I did not. But uh, is it there? I, I, I mustn't have been in that section. Or if they maybe it wasn't even there. But When did you go? Uh, it was probably about eight years ago. Yeah, I don't know if it was there. But it was, it was stunning. And uh, I, I, nothing you see on TV or whatever, a movie theater. Or, so you weren't like Chevy Chase on vacation? Just, yeah, no, yep. I wasn't okay. ready to go. I, I, I went back. I got up early the next morning because we had to leave to go see it again before we left. And uh, I wonder on VR if you get that. I don't think you get that. I mean, you do get some of it. But I don't think it's, what I'm saying is I don't think it's a substitute. No. I think it's, you know, whole, you know, you have an idea in your mind, because where else would you keep it, um, of what the Grand Canyon looks like through everybody's description. You can see pictures and all that, but in a VR, even if it's half of the experience, look at it and say, wow, if I know this isn't, this isn't real and this is that much better than what I've heard, i got to get there. Yeah. The only thing I'm, I want the VR for now is, uh, like, immersive um, horror movies or immersive scary video games because then you, know, you get those actual jump scenes that I don't get at movies, you know? And I, I kind of miss that. You know, not not getting freaked out at movies, not jumping at movies or anything like that. Uh, I actually put on the headset and played a game uh, with my uh, Gear VR, the one for my uh, Galaxy. And there's a full game you, you download and you start up the game and you're sitting in a car and you're driving a car. The graphics are kind of slightly cartoonish but not completely so they're realistic enough you know and uh you're sitting here driving the car and all of a sudden you hear this weird noise next to you and i was sitting in my in my place just by myself playing this game and i look over and it was you know in the game it was daytime but I'm, I'm driving down this desert road and i hear this weird noise i'm like what is that and i look over to my right and in the passenger seat is a is a like a ghost like a monster she's like like a woman that's completely burnt crispy like and she's, she's like, ah, and it made me, I actually yelled out loud. I felt like a complete idiot. I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> so, so I was like, that's what I'm looking for. You know, that kind of a visceral experience from it. Yeah, but I just, I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing where you're playing like, I mean, I can play, not that strategy games would work really well for this, but, you know, like turn-based strategy or something like that. You're not going to play that in VR. You know, what's but, funny is they have those games. In VR. That's so strange, yeah. I don't but, get it. like a shooter, you know, but I couldn't picture playing a shooter in VR for more than an hour. No. And, you know, not that I should be, but there's times on Saturday when I got time, I could sit down and play a shooter for three, four hours. Yeah. 
And I just, I don't think I could do that. But I think it would be great for the stuff we're talking about, like, you know, the scary game where, you know, you're in there for 20 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just want the experience. Basically, or, you know, a virtual haunted house. Yeah, or to be able to to see things you can't see, to be like, I could see, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, travel companies using it going, hey, kids, this is what the Sistine Chapel looks like. This is what the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. looks like. Or, or just plain, I mean, from business standpoint, resorts doing a virtual tour of their resort would get people excited more so than just pictures. Well, I saw some stat um, that said, uh, I can't even remember what it's like, in some insane, insanely high number of people who will book hotels or trips based on whether or not they have a virtual tour. And we're not talking, you know, three dimensional immersive thing. We're just like, this is what our hotel looks like, you're not pictures. But here's a walkthrough we did. Yeah, like a Google Google Earth. Yeah, there's a company that does those. But, yeah, interiors. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember the name of it. But they'll like do like 360s of rooms, but then they'll do stuff where you're like moving through the building and that it it's it's some, you know, three times as many bookings or something from that. So I can imagine if you said, Hey, here's our here's our program, load it into your virtual headset and walk around this place. I, I just don't think as far as just taking it back to the, I think the video games are going are going to drive the innovation. Maybe, maybe, maybe the business as well. But I'm, I'm thinking it's video games. But uh, the they just haven't progressed since they since since the hype began about about VR. It just seems like it's quieted down quite a bit because it's not delivering on the promise yet. Yeah. So I mean, back when they first did VR talked about vr we nobody everybody knew it wasn't going to deliver the promises you know in the early days but this last kind of um you know especially with the new phones and and the and the um the little headsets for the phones and all that and you get some pretty impressive little snippets but the games just haven't delivered um there's the xbox uh, xbox uh with the camera camera system that yeah um I can't remember what they call it. The PlayStation is called the PlayStation Eye, but the Xbox. Yeah, I can't. Else. I remember what it. I remember what it was. Yeah, it was it, like five, it, six years. ago. It was pretty impressive what it did. I mean, it was it. It kind of delivered above what people expected. I thought, except um, nobody's really buying it. Anymore. No, because they discontinued they, it. Yeah, because it just doesn't. They didn't. They didn't develop it past a certain point, and it just kind of stagnated. So, um, yeah, I just, I just I don't know. There's there's things I'd love to see in VR. I just don't see it. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Well, you know what I think is going to – I saw this article the other day that made me think stuff like VR. Well, you know like the the 3D TVs they had that came out and everybody was like, oh, yeah, I get a 3D yeah. TV and then it just didn't really yeah. didn't really take off, kind of fell apart. Yeah. I think run the risk – VR runs the risk of falling apart with um, – I saw this article about cybernetics and they think they can start growing eyes for people like synthetic eyes and if you can grow synthetic parts that you know well if you're growing them they're organic aren't they <laughs> well I can't, no because it's what you grow them out of okay if you grow them out of their own tissue like you see those like ears that they grow in the backs of mice and yeah. stuff and that is your own cells that they're replicating in a structure so they can grow skin they can grow stuff like ears because it's mostly cartilage and they can grow. They think they can start growing simple organs like uh, stomachs with your own cells because you just need a structure for it to grow around. But the idea of growing a liver or a lung 
is like impossible because the structure you would make it to grow around would become part of it. You know, it basically needs a skeleton to grow on and it's too complex with all the little alveoli and I think they're alveoli that in your lungs help you breathe. But um, this idea that if you can grow synthetic stuff so you can have enhanced vision in your eyes or, you know, if if people can start growing, uh, you know, uh, muscle replacement, well, you can make it more fibrous and stronger. It's like when you when you work out and lift weights, the part that makes your muscles bigger is the fibers are damaged and they grow back together thicker. That's what makes your muscles bigger. Well, this is just saying, well, let's just make them that way. I'm sure the Chinese are working on it right now. <laughs> yeah, because the Japanese have the the dog that opens, or not the dog, the dog-looking robot that opens the door now. Did you see that video? No, I didn't. It came out a couple days ago. <laughs> they had the... It could open the door, and oh, so everybody man. freaked out because, yeah. oh, my God, it can open the door now. Yeah. Well, they had a guy, I think it's it's like um, Boston Robotics or something like that. turns out it's a Japanese-owned company. It used to be owned by Google or something like that. So they made this four-legged dog-looking robot that now has this big arm that goes up and, and, so they had, and can open a door. So they had a guy with a hockey stick trying to stop it, except he wasn't really trying to stop it. He's just, like, getting in his way, and then they grab it by the butt and pull on it and still gets the door open so people are going well now not only can it open the door you can't stop it from opening the door I'm like kick it over you know? <laughs> or just take the hockey stick and put it on the door you know yeah. like and it'll be like hmm, what do we do so but uh kind of lost my train of thought there but if if you if you can start growing these synthetic parts like synthetic eyes and things like what the hell are we going to need virtual reality for and it starts to blur that line. You know, everybody talks about what's going to happen when the robots take over. And I, I mean, I'm not buying that. I don't worry about the robots killing us. I worry about who makes killer robots. You know, like the Soviets have that one that's got the, I'm oh, sorry, they're not Soviets anymore, the Russians. They got the one that, it was some clickbait thing that's got a gun. Yeah, it looks like a human robot that can walk around holding a gun. <laughs> okay, I didn't see that. But think about that. I mean, if you can make uh, armies of robots that can actually kill people, it makes you start to worry about... I'm not worried about the robots becoming self-aware. I'm worried about who the people are who are programming the robots. You know what I mean? Sure. Who just say, you know what? We really we really shouldn't have these kinds of people. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, I mean, just imagine if the, ro- if the Nazis had robots. It'd be scary. But, so, I guess my point in all that is, it's at what point do we start like blurring the lines and what part are you comfortable with? Like we were talking with some friends a couple of months ago about uh, if you could add more, if you could add hardware to your brain. Yeah. Like a flash drive size thing. Right. That would hold that much memory. Would you do it? And I think you said, oh yeah, hell I'd do it. Yeah. I would, I would have to it help my memory. Well, I mean, maybe you're a bad example because your memory is terrible, yeah. but I mean, also, been, it depends. You've been to my house what, like fifty times, it, and you still can't find. It would depend there? on how fast you can access it too. So if you're sitting there going, you know, all the someone asks you a question, all of a sudden you get that like cogs turning look on your face, and you start drooling a little bit while you're trying to access the or memory. Your your, your, uh, your pupils are just the circle spinning. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I'd want that. No. Yeah. Are you thinking? No, no, I'm not thinking. <laughs> I can see your little hourglass spinning. Yeah. No, no, that's not the operating system I'm using. <laughs> yeah, no. If uh, if you could instantly access it, that'd be something else because that would completely change, you know, everything. But, well, but so, okay, I'm 
I'm going really sci-fi here, but so they have the cars that have hotspots in them, right? You know, internet hotspots. Mm -hmm. So you can use all your devices while you're in your car. But apparently, and I don't know this for sure, they've got people who are hacking those on cars that are driving. And they basically are just turning the car off. They're not taking over control of the car. If you have wireless access in your head at some point... I wouldn't see that. I'm sure there's people that would want that or would find applications for that. There's no way a, a, a normal person should want something like that in their head. Well, yeah. you do watch a lot of porn. I'm yeah. just wondering. Well, that's especially why I wouldn't want that in my, <laughs> in my head. So You'd never get anything done? I'd never get anything done. Well, then, you know, all the viruses that get loaded in your computer from watching porn. Yeah, how Imagine how many viruses how that, you get in your head. How would that affect you? <laughs> Can't come to work, I have a Trojan virus. You get that shutdown virus, the one that says, uh, pay us uh, uh, $500 or we're shutting down your hard drive, locking your hard drive. You're locking my brain. (laughs) You're closing my brain. I don't want my brain locked. Well, here's, to me, I mean, I realize that's pretty unrealistic, but here's the part that's more intriguing to me is, so they say, if you think about that, assuming you can make the leap to that, to integrate it into, you know, a human brain, so that somehow your memory is really pictures that you can translate, right? And people go, oh, well, when dad dies, think of all the memories that we'd love to be able to access. And you sort of, in a sense, keep their brain alive. You know, not literally, but, you know, data-wise. I'm thinking, I've seen a lot of stuff in my life that I don't necessarily want people saving images from. And I, Mm. if you can translate memory of that into, can you translate daydreams and stuff into that you know it's a good course well that's pretty sci-fi but think about it this way think about it if if it's just information in your head right if whether it's a picture you saw or a picture you created you view them the same way in your mind right so if you could do that it would be like someone finding your journal after you died yeah and assuming that this is the thing you wrote for yourself that you didn't want someone else to read do you want someone keeping your journal? Yeah, it's bad enough that you, you worry about your browser history. I can imagine. I just don't want to be like, Dad's really into hentai. That's weird. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Delete that tentacle porn. Delete! <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, no. No thanks. But you know what? We're going to get there. I mean, all, we're, we're living in, in the sci-fi future right now as it is. So it's going to be crazy. Well, the funny thing about technology is it just accelerates so fast. Yeah. But, I mean... I mean, there will be the the crash and the AI takeover and the apocalypse. All that kind of the bad stuff is going to happen. One of the bad things is going to happen. It's just going to reset, wipe clean. I don't think the we'll AI be, is going to take over. We'll be we'll be we'll be in the the dark ages again. We'll we'll re- we will reset unless we just destroy ourselves completely. Yeah, you've watched a lot of you watched too many <laughs> too many Terminator movies. No dystopian. I think where honestly, where I worry about AI taking over, you know, this whole singularity thing. Where I worry about AI taking over is not like Terminator, where all of a sudden there's murder bots out there killing us all, and AI goes, wait a second, you know, these guys are, they didn't like what I had to say, so they tried to unplug me, and they do the whole lawnmower man thing. Um, I worry more about, like, you see the Disney movie Wally? Yeah. Or the far future, we're just fat shit sitting on our floating couches with clothes that don't fit anymore, <laughs> because. You know, we're just, we're like Homer Simpson in the moo-moo mashing the keypad on the phone because yeah. our hands are too fat. Because AI will just bring us stuff. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, um, 
pie-in-the-sky view of the future. I think uh, technology is not, it's going to be less uh, Star Trek-y, um, which is, that's that's like a step between Star Trek, is like the stage between what you're saying, <laughs> you know, no, where no, everything's no, headed but, us. But we're, we're never going to get to that point, that, that utopian kind of, everything's provided for you kind of ideal. It's going to be um, more like the Matrix, where you're plugged into a thing that's just using your, your body for, you know, whatever. You're you're pooping out whatever, and then they're using the poop to make a uh, spackle for buildings or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like you're just a battery. I don't <laughs> See, I don't think it's going to be anything like that. I But, I mean, I look at this, like, uh, I think it is Hilton now. Hilton Garden Inns have, um, they have the robots that'll deliver your, your uh, room service order. Okay? So... If I go to a hotel and there's a bar in the hotel and I'm traveling or something, I don't want to sit in my little room. I want to get out and see stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's interesting people to talk to. So I want to, like, go down to the hotel bar and get something to drink and watch the game on TV or scream at Fox or News or CNN. Or if there's nobody else around. Yeah. yeah. I don't want a robot to bring me the little... Well, tray of yeah, food well, the in future, my little The future cell. is isolation. I mean, that's kind of where we're getting to the point now that everybody's worried about now. That's why it seems like everybody's getting to be so, young men are getting to be so maladjusted because of the isolation of technology and all that. And I think it's just going to accelerate. There's going to be more and more of that. And there's there's going to be a lot more people with with mental issues based on not not having that interaction with other people. Well, yeah, that and everybody tells them they're fucking special. Just, yeah. you know, the, the world needs bullies. I'm sorry. It's all <laughs> I'm sorry. not talking about, I'm not talking about the kid who uh, beats you up every day at school and takes all your lunch money and, you know, threatens to kill you. I'm not. I'm just all for a little shaming. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Shaming goes a long way. There's, there's shaming that keeps you from doing things that are self-destructive. There's shaming that get you to not be such a doofus you know that you make you think you're being cool and special and you're just being an asshole shaming stops that behavior in a lot of people in me it did i had some shaming happen to me growing up and uh you know i'm better for it i think except some of that shaming was really mean that was my brother though my brother was real mean oh yeah i had to put up with it yeah she's bigger than you yeah <laughs> and meaner i had acne pretty bad when i was growing up so you call me pizza face that was mean there was nothing constructive about that. <laughs> so <call you laughs> nothing I could do about. There's nothing I could do about that. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Yeah, I mean, well, what are you gonna do? But no, I, I mean, think about it. Like, do you think it, it take a take a successful person like a, a Bill Gates, a Warren Buffett, a Jeff Bezos? Do you think their whole life people were like, "Oh, you're so smart," you know? I God, I think people shame the hell out of them at some point or yeah. bullied them and said. Oh, you're an idiot. No, it's, can you imagine? Didn't didn't Gates drop it to like MIT to make his computer yeah. in his parents' garage? I mean, yeah. what do you think mom and dad were saying? They're not going, our son, he's such a smart, he's building his own company. Yeah. They're like, he fucking dropped out of MIT. Are you kidding me? That kid's an idiot. You know, but I, my point is, I think there's somebody in all of those people's past, and I could be wrong, that they're looking back going, man, if they could see me now. Yeah. You know who oozes that? Mark Cuban. Uh, Mark Cuban is like he can't. I I like and don't like the guy, but he he's never met a microphone he doesn't like, and I just think it's because he wants to tell the prom queen, "Hey, you could have said yes," or you know, yeah, I don't know. He looks like Frankenstein. 
That's the only reason, one of the only reasons I don't like him. He's Herman. got that neck that neck that goes up to his ears without without. You hate the head. whole Herman Munster thing. Yeah, he's just got a weird look to him. It bothers me. But I mean, the point is, don't you think all of those people somewhere in their past have had somebody who? Well, I think everybody's had someone pick on them. No, but I mean, like hyper hyper successful people are hyper successful because they're driven. But I also think there's got to be some amount of it in there that. Somebody picked on them somewhere. And I'm not saying that's the motivating factor, but I think everybody's got that foil in their life that they look back at and go, I'm going to show that guy. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think that contributes to it sometimes, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, the, the sheltering kids from, I mean, they're even calling, I mean, if, if you criticize someone, it's called harassment at this point. So, I mean, they don't even, nobody even knows what harassment means anymore. If you're on any kind of online forum anywhere, for for any like let's say you're on an author's fan page or or a comic book forum or take your pick sports you know um and you criticize somebody you, you, no no longer uh, if you're not giving a critique of anything at this point you are you are attacking that person in their eyes and you are bullying them and there it's just it's not a way to live <laughs> to, to think that everything everything that doesn't agree with you or somebody says something that you don't agree with or somebody points out a flaw in either what you say or do, or even how you how you look. Um, it's not it's not outright bullying. It's not harassment. It's just a critique. Uh, take it for what it is. But there's no there there is none of that anymore. It's all straight to harassment, bullying. You know, there's no yeah. You know, maybe I deserved that little bit of that jab I deserved. You know who I'd love for that, and we lost way too soon it was Christopher Hitchens. When they people be they'd say stuff like. Well, that's just your opinion. And you'd be like, well, yeah, of course it is. It's because it's me having it. Yeah. And they'd say stuff like, well, because he would, he would go after, like, Mother Teresa and Princess Diana. And people are like, well, who are you to judge them? He's like a person who can think critically and has an opinion. Yeah. That's who I am, you know? I mean, they're like, she diffused bombs in third world countries. And I was like, yeah. And then he listed a bunch of terrible things she did. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, There's that, too. I mean, I'm just saying. So, this whole idea that we can't judge stuff that we're not supposed to have. Well, yeah. We have to have unflattering opinions of things is a bad thing. Well, part of that is, I think, the cultural Marxism where where anything goes, nothing is wrong, or or whatever you say is right. Um, There's no no, um, objective truth. The only truth is what you make of it. And the thing is, if somebody tells you that you're... um, I don't know. Let's say you've got a, a bad haircut. Um, and they'll go, no, no, it's a good haircut. Well, yeah, that's your opinion. It's, (laughs) you can take his opinion. There's no, but objectively, if everybody's going around saying, yeah, that guy's got a bad haircut, you should probably take their advice and get a better haircut next time. It's, you you can't just say that, well, I think it's a good haircut, so it's a good haircut. No, it's social. There's a social, social norm you have to conform to unless you just want to be an asshole or be a punk rocker and wear the, you know, the glue in your head and spike your hair. I guess I don't know what point I'm getting to with that, but it's, uh, there's no, there's no, there's, there's nothing, there's no standard anymore. So, um, who are you to say, criticize anything since there's, there's no, there's no, um, set standard for anything. Then how can you criticize anything if there's not a standard to to compare it to? Well, yeah, I mean, like it or not, there's some people are saying that 
you know, I'm glad I brought that around a little bit. I was kind of it's just, <laughs> wondering where that was going. Well, it's like the whole, they say, you know, you can hate Christianity if you want, but at least it gave us sort of a moral compass kind of thing. Yeah. yeah it, it had a whole bunch of other bad stuff, but, you know, you didn't, you didn't go into a school and shoot a bunch of people because, you know, you knew that was a bad thing. Yeah, there was a social norm and social standard that people had conformed to, and if they didn't and they were out of line, they got shamed. Well, there is this... There's a show that was on a while back. Or corrected um, in some way or another. Yeah, I can't, I can't. A Super Nanny was the name of the show. Yeah. And this was before I had kids. And I remember, I remember the show. So my wife and I are watching this thing, and these there's these three boys, young kids, probably nine, six, and three. And the nanny shows up, and they're in like a, not a, like a foyer, and the stairs go up above the front door. And these kids are up there, and they spit down on the nanny. And my wife turns and looks at me and goes, what would have happened in your house? And she didn't have to finish the sentence. I just looked at her and said, I have, I have no idea. It because wouldn't have been good. <laughs> I said, I could not have. And I've thought about this years since then going, I, I can't imagine what my dad would have done to me. That was so far outside of the, of the norm of what I would even consider yeah. Possible. Yeah. And kids just do shit like that now. Yeah. You know? I remember I had these kids who came came by through our neighborhood. This is before we moved. Came through our neighborhood and they they were um it was like some Saturday. And they they weren't from our neighborhood because I didn't know these kids, you know. And they were um they were going on the side of the house and like the mowing edge and picking up rocks. And I'm like, well this can't be good. So go outside, and there's three of them. And, uh, you know, the I said, hey, drop the rocks. Two of the kids drop the rocks like that. The other one's just looking at me like, fuck you. He's like 10. I'm going, what do you got in your pockets? He goes, nothing. I said, what do you got in your pockets? He goes, nothing. I said, turn your pockets out. So he did. And he didn't have any rocks in them because he dropped the rocks. But I thought he did, right? It's just giving me attitude. And I said, if I had known those kids, I'd have gone to their parents and said, hey, here's what happened. And then I thought, no, I wouldn't. You know why? Because they're black. Hmm. And I don't, I don't know what that means for me. Like if I'd have gone to their house and expected the parent to say, hey, you're picking on my kids because they were black. Yeah. Or if that parent would have gone, thank you. Because I know if somebody came to my house and said, because it's happened, my kids can be shits too. But... You know, if they say, my neighbors know, hey, if my kids are doing something wrong, you can tell my kids are doing something wrong. Well, having a different race, race just brings an element to it that you, that makes it unpredictable. You show up and, yeah, it could be like, hey, thanks, you know, I'll take care of me. Or it could be like, how dare you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which you don't want to deal with. But there, but my point is there's not a universal moral compass anymore. No, no. You know, and, and maybe there never was, but it sure seemed like it when... Yeah, I think, I think there was. I mean, well, look at it with school stuff now, like... If a if a teacher goes to the principal and says, this kid's acting up in class, what's going to happen? That kid's parents are going to decide if they're of some protected class, and even if they're not, let's say they're white upper-class kids, that parent's still got a better-than-even shot, I think, of saying, well, why are you picking on my kid? And it's the kids against the teachers. When I was a kid, if your parents showed up at school, it, you knew it wasn't good for you. Yeah. It was the parent and the teacher against the kid. Yeah. It wasn't a matter of, 
you know, hey, your parents are going to take your side. You did something that made that teacher say something. So you were in trouble. Well. And now these kids run the school well, because. Part of the part of the reason that kids run the school is the fact that they see that here it's going to be a racial thing. They see a disparity. So they see the disciplinary disparity. So the uh, white kids aren't getting uh, suspended or, or uh, disciplined at the rate of black kids, right? So they're saying, well, we have to fix this. Well, instead of actually finding out, well, are the black kids acting up more? Is what's going on? Instead of doing that, they're just saying, well, we're just not going to, we're not going to suspend kids for certain infractions. We're just not, because those certain infractions are 99% done by the, you know, uh, black kids or Hispanic, whatever. Um, so they're just not, so all of a sudden the stats look better. Oh, hey, the disparities, it's, it's evening out. Now all of a sudden uh, they're not getting as much discipline for them kids anymore or disciplinary action on the record anymore. So we must be doing something right. No, you're just not rewarding it at this point. And then those kids are emboldened. And then the other kids see that and they're like, well, what the hell? They're going to play with everything. Why can't I get, fuck it, fuck this thing. I'll, I'll start acting like shit too. So the next thing you know, it's just a big decline, a big down the sewer decline. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know if I need to go there in the racial sense. I just think teachers at this point, regardless of the kid's race, are just afraid to discipline any kid because they're just afraid of what the parents. I mean, we have this litigious society where everybody's going to sue somebody over something. Well, part of it is the decline of race relations. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, uh, the, uh, people are terrified now of offending. Um, based on race at this point. I mean, it was better ten, It was better 15 years ago than it is now. So that's just a fact. Yeah, <laughs> I, for me, it's just, I'm just trying to stick to the whole idea that, you know, nobody wants to discipline anybody's kids anymore, you know? Whereas, I remember, I remember hearing this thing about uh, uh, post-Columbine shooting. The one neighbor was saying, yeah, I saw the one kid come over. To, I think it was Dylan Klebold came over to Eric Harris's house, and the neighbor is in the backyard. And uh, here's the kid say, "Hey, do you have them?" And he goes, "Yeah, I do." And he's got a hockey bag, basically, full of something. And they take it and they're hitting it with bats, those glass bottles. They're making shrapnel for these bombs. And the neighbor thought, "I wanted to say something, but it was none of my business." Man, if we were kid, when we were kids, your neighbor would have come over and gone, "What the hell are you kids doing?" And they'd have told your parents, you're breaking glass bottles in the backyard. Yeah. What the hell for? And, you know, that was white suburban kids. And yeah. the guy didn't want to say anything. And it's the same way now, you know. And I just, this idea that, you know, everybody's going to be pissed off based on, like, who are you to shame me and tell me I'm doing something wrong? And it's just like we've lost this whole compass of, like, you know, what's good and bad and otherwise. Well, you, you have to have a shared, in your society, you have to have a shared kind of moral compass and a shared set of values. If you don't have that, then you're not, you're not a functioning society anymore at that point. You know, become balkanized or, you know, you become these little enclaves that live completely different. Well, that's what's happening in Europe right now. You know, you've got the, the Islamic, the no-go zones. They say, oh, that's not a thing. Well, it is a thing, you know, where they have basically their own laws and their own rules going on. And socially, it's it's a it's complete turmoil. Well, we kind of have it here too. You've got, you know, everybody kind of doing their own thing. You've got uh, the people living in Berkeley acting like complete nuts. <laughs> you know, got the colleges that are, I mean, out of control um, with the social justice bullshit. And then, uh, well, college was supposed to be the place you went to hear opposing views. Yeah, not anymore. And now that's people whole, just that's a whole people nother, don't want to hear opposing. That's a whole another episode we're getting into. I that. know. 
You but, always say that. You're always like, yeah, it's a whole but other episode. But, but they, we, we don't really have a shared, it's getting worse. I mean, we kind of do as Americans have a shared kind of like American ideal, but it's, it's, it's starting to really unravel quickly, I think. What, yeah, what, what yeah. being American means anymore? I don't know. You're you're too much of a black pilled. That's what I am. I don't even know what that means. That, mean, that means you're pessimist. That means you're seeing this shit go down quick or declining quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why you're such a prepper. <laughs> Would you say you're not really a prepper because you don't want to do all that shit? You just like buying the stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a prepper consumer. That's what I am. I'm gonna worry when you buy like a shipping container and bury it in your backyard. And be like, yeah, that's my, well, that's my go, follow shelter. Rub some shekels together and I buy some property and then bury it. That's when you got to worry. That's when you got to worry. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're in danger of that. Got to put the dead hooker somewhere. <laughs> Instead of in your furnace room? <laughs> yeah. You know, that or when I buy a hog farm. You gotta, better be careful. Better, better not cross me. Yeah, it's a whole different movie. Remember though, you gotta what do they what do they say in Snatch? You gotta pull the teeth and the fingernails out and stuff, <laughs> shave the head because otherwise it's tough on the pigs. Mm. <laughs> that was a that was a really good bad guy in that movie. I hated him so bad. It's, good. it's a good movie. Man, I hated him. He's Did bad. you see? Because um, the the other movie before that was Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking mm-hmm. Barrels, wasn't? it? Because it's basically yeah. same yeah, actors in it yeah. and everything. Yeah, that's where Jason Statham got like one of the starts was that one. Yeah, it's a good movie, though. Mm-hmm. Did you hear uh, why Statham won't do uh, Marvel movies? No. Too much CGI, and the actors don't do their own stunts. Yeah. I don't know if actors doing their own stunts necessarily is up to them all the time. I mean, Maybe when an actor's just... got a 10-picture contract, when Chris Evans is four movies into it and he's got a 10-picture contract, yeah. i got to believe the studio's going, yeah, you don't get to do any stunts. I can, I can understand the, the CGI and not wanting to act with CGI. But, uh, you know, because you're just pretending stuff's there. You're not really seeing it. It's hard to get into the scene for some actors, I suspect. But the stunt thing? I don't know about that. Go Go, go uh, jump out of an airplane if you want your thrill. You know, when you're making your movie, that's different. Well, it depends on what the stunt is, too. Mm-hmm. I remember, I can't even remember what it was. Some movie, I saw a documentary on stuntmen, and it had, it had this thing where a guy's got to jump out of a helicopter onto the top of a building. Uh, where they have the big collapsing bag. Mm-hmm. And it, he really is making the jump. And uh, no shoot or anything like that. And the pilot's sitting there and the wind was bad, so it's moved around. The guy's like holding a, you know, what do you call them when you, um, when you hang like... Uh, Just stuff. a rope to see what the... Yeah, but it's got like a, a plumb bob yeah, on the yeah. end of it. So he's doing it and he's like, as he's doing it, he's like, okay, I'm good. And he tells Alist. the pilot he's jumping. And he jumps and he said, the pilot said as soon as he goes, shit, he's not going to make it. And he made it. Oh. But he said, yeah, he's just like, oh, my God. He goes, it was like the helicopter moved too far back or he misjudged it or something. And the pilot was watching it and he goes, the angle's wrong. And he's just seeing this guy plummet to his death. Yeah, I, I don't know. If that's what Jason Statham is saying is a stunt, then I think he's full of shit. But, you know. That's too bad. I think he'd be good in a Marvel movie. Like as who? Anybody. He's, I, just, I just like him. <laughs> he'd be a good bad guy. He'd be a good, good, good guy. Just, I think he'd be a better bad guy, I think, at this point. Oh yeah, but um, yeah, I know. Well, uh, uh, who's um, um, Nathan Fillion's going to be in one of the Marvel movies come out? Really? Yeah, Miracle Man is his role. Who's Miracle Man? He's kind of an obscure Marvel character. That's uh, he's pretty powerful. He's like he's like Wonder Woman powerful. You know, like her, 
what's I mean, I'm trying to think of a Marvel character. He's, he's she, she did the voice of Green Lantern too, didn't he? Uh, in some cartoons. Yeah. 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 But no, they, yeah, they actually even like, uh, I got to hold that against him. I freaking hate Green Lantern. The There's some, uh, some Easter eggs in some of the movies kind of advertising for like Miracle Man. Cause the character Miracle Man, uh, in the comics is, uh, he at one point's an actor, stuntman, an actor. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, he's a movie, an action movie star basically. Cause he's, you know, kind of vulnerable. I don't know a whole lot about him, but it's be interesting to get filling it, filling it in there. So like to see that yeah i'd rather just see i'd rather just see uh, firefly come back yeah you're gonna have a series of books on that now too so it's just not, not the, same. Be the same yeah mm-hmm. and it was a great show it's the crew it's the actors and yeah. everything kind of added up well you started to get into your comics thing there i know you want to get into that later but yeah uh, that's a whole nother episode yeah exactly <laughs> i'm just gonna sit here and listen to you rant about it so yeah. So we're going to wrap this up for now. Again, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for listening to Bread and Circus podcast. Uh, again, I'm Rooster, along with Crow. And if you uh, want to get hold of us, you can email us. It's rooster at breadandcircuspodcast.com. Or for Crow. fan mail. Yeah. yeah, fan mail only. Wink, wink. Uh, for Rooster. And then Crow is crow at breadandcircuspodcast.com. Thanks. Bye.